Thank you, Miss Robin. Well, it's good to see everyone this morning. Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Romans this morning. I know most of you are already in the book of Mark. You were just waiting for me to say Mark. I thought I would change things up just a little bit this morning. You know, got to change things up. Got to keep you on your toes. Keep you on your toes. We've been in the book of Mark for quite a while. And last time we were talking about authority, the authority, and that Jesus was meeting with some of the authorities outside the temple. We talked about that at length last Sunday morning. If you did, wasn't here for that, I hope you go back and watch that. But today I want to talk about a little more the importance of authority. The title of the message is To Obey or Not to Obey. That is the question. And when it comes to authority in life, one of the great, greatest chapters to go to in the New Testament is the book of Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13 and verse 1 this morning. Romans chapter 13 and verse 1. We're going to look at several passages of scripture, so I hope your fingers are all warmed up by the coffee you had this morning. Or whatever you had, I hope they're awake because we're going to look at several passages of scripture when it comes to this topical, topical uh, thing of authority. So we're in Romans chapter 13 and verse 1 this morning. It says, let every soul be subject to the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that are ordained of God, whosoever therefore resisted the power, resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resisteth shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Wilt thou then be not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is a minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. He that beareth, he that beareth not the sword in vain, for he is a minister of God, a revenger to re execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore, we must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. For, for, uh, for this cause pay ye tribute also, for they are God's ministers, attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore all, due, all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time. And I pray, Lord, as we look to your word in this area of authority. You are our authority. You have set up authority. You are the establishment of authority. So, Lord, I pray, God, as we look in this very important topic of authority, that you, God, help us, Lord Jesus, to understand your mind, your will for our life, so we can lead lives that are peaceable, full of truth and righteousness, honoring you and your word. And I pray you bless this time. Help us. I pray there be one in this room who doesn't know Christ, that God, Father, you would draw that person to yourself and help us as, as believers to sincerely look at your word, to read it, to understand it, and by the grace of God to obey it. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we know we live in a world full of regulations and rules. I'm glad for a rule, world of regulations and rules, aren't you? I'm glad we don't live in a world of chaos. Now, it is getting more and more chaotic out there. We obviously know the, that we live in a world where people used to be able to say things, you know, and, but now they just can't say those same things anymore. Used people, two adults could get together and talk and have a discussion without name calling, without getting mad, without calling each other racists, without saying bad things about people. Just have good conversations among, among adults. 
That's, that does, those, those days are pretty much past, even among Christians, unfortunately. We focus on our minors instead of focusing on what we stand for. And there's a time right now where we, we used to be able to do things we, we didn't do, and, and now we're doing things that we used to never be able to do. I saw a billboard of a guy, actually a picture of a guy, and it's, he said, I was in jail for 30 years for selling marijuana. And he got out of jail, and he stopped on the side of the road, and he said, the first sign I saw was a billboard that says, I will, we will deliver marijuana to you for free. He was in 30 years for selling it. Now they'll deliver it to him for, for deliver it to your house for free. I told my wife about that light last night. And she said, what is the world going to? I said, it's going to pot. It's going to pot. What in the world does the Bible say about authority? What does the Bible say about authority? Well, we see here. In the first seven verses of the book of Romans, chapter 13, the principle of authority. The principle of authority. What are some things that we must understand? Now, these are things that we all understand. These are things that we're, we all know, but we always need to be reminded of. Let me give you about five of these things. First of all, we see here in verse 1, Let every soul be subject in the higher powers, for there is no power but of God, the powers that are ordained of God. First of all, we must realize that all of us are under authority. I think we've heard it a few times last week, if you watch the news for like two seconds, that every person, no matter who they are, are under authority. All of us are under authority, right? No matter who you are. All of us are in this world under God's authority. Our authority is the word of God. All of us are subject to the, the, the dictates, the rules, the, the very word of God. No one can say, no one can tell me what to do. Can I say that again? No one can say, no one can tell you what to do. Because the Bible says, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Everybody in the world, no matter who they have been, no matter how much power, no matter how much influence, no matter how much money, every person that's ever been created, and that's a big word, creator, because then that says there must be a creator. If we're a creation, there must be a creator. And because there's a creator, we are a creation, then we must bow to the dictates of the creator. We are under the authority. Every one of us are under the authority. We have those that are over us that have the right, the God-given right. God himself establishes authority. It is God. It didn't just happen. It, didn't, it just didn't just show up one day and somebody says, I think I need to be over you and you need to be over him and you need to be over him. And you need to be no, God established it himself. God is the one who established authority. Secondly, all authority comes from God. He's the one who gave it. He's the one who gave it. Thirdly, resisting the authority that God set up leads to destruction. The Bible says here, here it says, For he that is minister of God and thee, which is good, but if thou do, do that which is evil, if you decide today, I think I'm going to go 100 miles an hour down 39th Avenue. 
Well, you might as well because everybody else is. But if you say, I think I'll go 101, then I'll stop at that Circle K. I'll go steal me two Mountain Dews and a Snicker bar. Well, you can go ahead and do that, but there's somebody called a minister of God. You say, preacher, is that you? You're going to go down there in your Harley Davidson and you're going to arrest me and you're going to throw me in jail? No, dear friend. A minister of God is a police officer. A police officer is a minister of God. A judge is a minister of God. A senator is a minister of God. A congressman is a minister of God. A president is a minister of God. Now, I didn't say they were very good ministers of God. But I did say they are the very ministers. What is a minister? A minister is not just someone who gets up on Sunday morning and preaches the Bible. A minister is someone who is a servant. What do we call people who go out, who go down these roads and they arrest people who are speeding down the road? We call them silver, civil servants. They're servants. They're supposed to serve the people. So all of us are under authority. All power comes from God. Resisting that authority, saying no to that authority that God himself has given authority, leads to destruction. Those in authority are given authority by God. They're not given authority just by the other governments. They're given authority by God, God himself. And fifth, always pay what is owed to the authority that God has set up. It says there in, in verse 7, Render un, therefore to, those, to all their dues. Tribute to those tribute is due. Custom whom custom. Fear to whom fear. Honor to whom honor. So we have a responsibility as citizens of the United States of America to pay our dues. Dear friend, don't be a tax evader. That's not Christian. That's wickedness. That's wickedness. And that's what the Bible says. Jesus said himself, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar, or unto God the things that are God. You say, that's not fair. Then you, dear friend, vote them out. Vote. That's why we say vote on August 23rd. You have a voice. And you have a voice that you can pray to God and ask God to change the heart of the king. Has he ever done that in scripture? Has God ever changed the heart of a person in authority? Read the Old Testament. God changed the authority, the hearts and lives of people in Nineveh in Jonah's day. Jonah preached the shortest message in the history of the world. And everybody from the king to the animals repented of their sin and turned to God. And they can do it in Jonah's day. They can do it in our day. God can change people's hearts but do we pray when's the last time you got down your hands and knees and prayed for joe biden well we got quiet in here when's the last time you got your hands and knees and prayed for camilla harris for her salvation for his family salvation you see it's easy to bicker about them but when's the last time you prayed for them the bible says that we're supposed to, we're supposed to pray for all authorities and for kings, why? That we might live peaceable lives. If we as independent, fundamental, Baptist Christians would spend less time bickering about authorities and start praying for authorities, our country may change. That's what we should do. That is not, that's not easy to hear, but it's the truth. It's the truth. You know why? Because they don't, like, they don't do what we do, and we don't do it because we don't do 
They don't do what we want them to do. We think ill of them because we think ill of them. We condemn them. And dear friends, I'm not here to say who's doing right and who's doing wrong, but I know one thing. We need to pray for folks. And if there's one thing we don't do as Christians enough is we don't pray for those who we disagree with. The Bible says that we're supposed to love our enemies. We're supposed to do good unto them, and we're supposed to pray for them. Dear friend, that was a suggestion. That's a commandment from Jesus Christ. So we see the principles of authority. You say, preacher, what happens if we have authorities in our life that we cannot obey? Does that ever happen? Has it ever happened to you? You ever had authority in your life which you could not obey? Maybe a, a boss? Maybe privately or publicly? Well, we're going to look at some instances, and I want you, that's why I wanted you to have your hands ready to turn to some of these things. I want to look at the problems with authority. We've seen the principle of authority that generally speaking, generally speaking, we're supposed to obey the authorities that God has placed up, placed over us because he himself had placed them over us. But secondly, are there problems with authority? We'll turn, first of all, to Genesis chapter 39. Genesis chapter 39. We've been looking at the life of Abraham on Sunday night. But after Abraham, you have Isaac. And after Isaac, you have Jacob. And then Jacob had 12 12 sons, 12 tribes of Israel. And one of them was Joseph. Remember Joseph? We spent several Sunday nights when I first got here talking about the life of Joseph. Joseph was the favorite son. Joseph was the the son that got the coat of many colors. He He was one of the favorites of Jacob. And his brothers, like brothers are, was kind of jealous of Joseph. And Joseph was coming to find his brothers. His dad had told him, hey, why don't you go find out what your older brothers are doing out there? They're supposed to be taking care of the, 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 the herd, the, the animals, and what are they doing? You better check up on them. And they did, and, and their brothers decided instead of just being nice to Joseph and fixing him a meal and being kind to him, some wanted to kill him and some wanted to throw him in a pit. And they did throw him in a pit, and ultimately they sold him to a group of people called the Ishmaelites, which were traveling down to Egypt. They sold Joseph, their own brother. So what was going on when Joseph was sold? Well, he was sold into a house called Potiphar's house. He was a very, he was a very uh, popular person, a very uh, uh, authoritative person. And he was a servant. He was a slave in Potiphar's house. He had people that were over him, primarily, primarily Potiphar, but also Potiphar's wife. But the Bible says in chapter 39 and verse 7, it says it came to pass after these things that his master's wife, Potiphar's wife, cast her eyes upon Joseph and she said, lie with me. But this wasn't like, well, maybe you should do this or possibly you should do this or would you do this if pretty pleased with sugar on top? No, she as his authority said, I want you to commit immorality with me. I want a relationship with you. Verse 8, but he refused. Amen. And he said to his and he said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wanteth not what is with me in the house, and he hath committed all that is in that he hath into to my hand. There is none greater in, in this house than I, neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness 
and sinned against you? No. Sinned against Potiphar? No. Sinned against my dad and my mother? No. Though all those were true, how can I do this wickedness and sin against God? And it came to pass, verse 10, as she spake to Joseph day by day. She didn't just say, well, I'll tell you what, Joseph, you know what? I know you believe in different God and you have different customs and do your, your, you do your own thing. I respect you. No, <laughs> she didn't give up. The Bible says it came to pass that she spake, spake to Joseph day by day that, she, that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. And it came to pass at this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business and there was none of the, of the, of the men of the house there within, and she caught him by the garment, saying, Lie with me, and left his garment in her hand, and fled, and got him out. Joseph did the right thing. He chose to disobey his authority. You see, friend, you should not obey authority when you're asked to sin privately. You should not obey authority when you are asked to sin privately. Why? Because you have a higher authority, which is God, who's already told you a physical relationship is only between a man, a man, and a woman, a woman. And all of us in this room are intelligent and understand to define both. Amen? Whew. Just want to make sure we got that. That's what God's will. So when God's will is higher than the authority that is telling you to do it, you always obey God, the higher authority. That's what God's will for his life. You say, preacher, what happened to Joseph? Joseph, everything was fine. No. The Bible says it came to pass when she saw that, that he had left his garment in her hand. She And he was fled forth. And she called unto men into her house and spake unto him, saying, See, he has brought back brought a Hebrew and to mock us. He came to lie with me, and I cried with a loud voice. And it came to pass, verse fifteen, when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried, that he left his garment with me and fled and got him out. And she laid up his garment by her until his Lord came home. And she spake unto him according to the word, saying, The Hebrew servant which thou hast brought unto us came in unto to mock me. And it came to pass as I lifted up my voice and cried that he left his garment with me. And fled out, and it came to pass, when the master heard these words of his wife, which he spake unto him, after this manner did the servant to me, that his wrath was kindled. And what happened to Joseph, verses 20 through 23, he was put in prison. The master took, Joseph's master took him, put him in prison, a place where the king's prisoners were, were bound, and there was, there was his portion. But look at verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph. You see, friend, when you do right, even though the world says you're wrong, God will be with you. I'd rather be in prison with God than outside the prison without God. Joseph was in prison. He was in a place of punishment. He was in a place of pain. He was in a place where people couldn't see his true potential for the moment. But he was right with God. When you get put in a situation, and everybody in this room, sooner or later, will be put in a situation when you're going to be told by your boss 
or your authority, you better do this. And if you don't do this, you'll lose your job. What are you going to do when they come for you? Are you going to say, well, you know, boss, I think I'll just, I'll agree with you. We'll take a little extra money. Nobody will know. Oh, we'll do this and nobody will find out. And that's always the lie from the pit of hell. Because God sees all. The only two people in the whole world that probably knew about this was Joseph and his mistress. And he could have got away with it, quote unquote. But he couldn't get away from it because God was always watching. He's always sees. He always knows. And don't ever believe the lie that I can just get away with it and nobody will ever find out. No, dear friend, because one of these days you're going to stand before a holy God and give account of your life. And you will either gain rewards or lose your rewards based on your obedience or disobedience down here on earth. So first of all, you should not obey when you're asked to sin private. Secondly, you should not obey when you're asked to sin publicly. Turn to that very familiar chapter in Daniel chapter 3. Now many of you know this story back and forwards and forwards and backwards. Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Remember these Hebrew children who've been taken captive? There was a time when Israel had sinned, and because of Israel's own sin, God himself, I say God himself, punished the people of Israel by having, first of all, Assyria come around 756 to take out the northern kingdom. And then around 550 so or so, about 536, he came and, 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 and destroyed, laid siege on Jerusalem and take everybody in the southern kingdom. Now, the, the children of Israel now are in captivity. He, these, these folks, these wise young men like Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego are in Babylon. And in Babylon, the head of all Babylon is a king by the name of Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar does what most, most people do when they get a little power. They begin to abuse their power. He says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to set up me a statue of pure gold. Let's read about it. And Daniel Chapter number 3, Daniel chapter 3, the Bible says in Daniel chapter 3, in verse 1, Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was three score cubits, the breadth thereof six cubits, and he set it up in the plain of Dur in the province of Babylon. Skip down to verse number 3. Then the prince and the governors and the captains and judges and treasurers and counselors and sheriffs and all the rulers and provinces were gathered together unto the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up, and they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar set up. Then an herald cried loud to you his commanded, O people, nations, and language, that what time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, guitar, violin, no, I didn't say that, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king set up. And whoso falleth not down and worship shall the same hour be cast into the midst of a burning fiery furnace you think it's hot outside right now Woo wee therefore he sat down at the time and all the people heard the sound of the cornet flute harp sack but psaltery and all kinds of music all the people and nations and languages fell down and worshiped the golden image of nebuchadnezzar the king had set up now imagine that's you today imagine something whoever is the head of this wonderful country said okay we're going to set something up we're going to set this image up, and at 7 o'clock, we're going to play all type of music. ACDC is going to get out, and we're going to play their greatest hits. 
And you're going to have to bow down to that. If you don't bow down, we're going to throw you into a fiery furnace. What would you, what would you do? And we look at these and we say, and we've, 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 we've heard them so long but because they, they, they lose their effect. Dear friend, you know this actually happened? This is not like a fairy tale. This is not something we hear, we just tell children and say, well, you know, remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and sing little songs about it? This actually happened. This is actually true. What would you do if you put in that situation? Well, we get to, you say, well, that doesn't happen. Yeah, it does every day. Every day you live, something is calling to you to bow down to it. Money's saying, would you bow down to me? Oh, your people at your work are saying, hey, if, if you don't do what I say, if you don't bow down to me, you're not going to be in the end crowd. Oh, you won't get the tickets in the end zone at the first Florida game. Oh, if you don't bow down to me, hey, society, you better listen to what I want you to listen to. I want, you better do what I tell you to do. We're constantly told to bow down. We're constantly told to bow down. What do these men do? Well, the Bible says in verse 8, wherefore at the time certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews, and spake and said unto Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. O king, thou hast made a decree that every man that shall hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbook, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoso falleth not down and worship, he shall be cast in the midst of a burning fire furnace. Look at verse 12. And there are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They, they serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. And Nebuchadnezzar, he was good with it. No. Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they brought these men before the king. Look at verse 14. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do not serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? And I love the response of these men. Oh, that we would have some men in the church that have this type of boldness. The Bible says, verse 15, Now if you be ready, that is what time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the image which I have made. Well, if you worship not, you shall not be cast in the same hour from the midst of the burning fire furnace. And who is that God which shall deliver you into my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, I love those words, but if not, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, o, God, o king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury in the form of his visage. Ooh, he got a little bit hot on the collar, didn't he? The form of his visage was changed. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, therefore he spake and man that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. Got a little hot. What happened? Well, the Bible says they went through this fire. They were cast into this fiery furnace. It was so hot in verse 20 when that the, the men that these were bound in the coats, their hosen, their hats, their garments were cast in the midst of the burning fire furnace. Therefore, verse 22, the king commanded his, was urgent and furnace proceeding hot and the flame 
slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It slew the men that even cast them in. And what was the reaction of Nebuchadnezzar? Verse 24, and Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished, stone-eyed, rose up in haste and spake and sat into his his into his counselors did we not cast three men's bound into the midst of fire and they answered and said in the, in the king true O king look at verse 24 and he answered and said lo i see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they have no hurt and the form of the fourth is like the son of god you see when you go through trials when you obey god when you choose to obey god rather than men somebody's going to be with you to give you power and strength and help that you would never know if you chose to cow down to those who were over you. The Bible says in verse 26, And Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come forth, come hither, come thither. And Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego came forth in the midst of the fire. And princes and governors and captains and counselors and being gathered together, saw these men upon these bodies of fire, had no power, nor was their hair of their head singed, neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of the fire passed upon them. And Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has set his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree. They're actually going to change the law. He's actually going to change the law. Verse 29, that every people, nation, and language that speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut up in pieces, and their houses shall be made a dunghill, because there is no other God that can deliver after the sort. And the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Wow. This actually happened. They did not bow down. There was a, remember, thou shalt have no other gods before me, before thee. Remember, that's what Moses set up. They were no longer under the rule of mama and papa. They were no longer in Jerusalem. They were in a foreign land under a pagan king. Their lives, their very existence was getting ready to be snuffed out by this pagan king. And even living in Babylon, even living in Gainesville, you can choose to do right when others are doing wrong. Will you choose to do right when your authority says, bow down. You teach this or you're fired. What are we going to do? Get fired. You, you follow what I say you to do or you lose your job. You lose your money. You lose everything that you've worked for for 5 and 10 and 15 years. Dear friend, and can I ask you a question? Who are we trying to please? I see so many people bowing down to so many people, other people, when we should be standing up and saying, I'm only going to bow down to one person, and that's Jesus Christ. I don't care what you say. I don't care what you do. I don't care what promotions. I don't care what job. I don't care what you have for me. I'm going to do right till the stars fall. We need more Christians like that. We need more men like that. We need more women like that. We need more teenagers like that. We need to be more like these men. We need it. We do need it. The reason why our country is in the shape it is in is because we are not like them.
this. Nearly 200 years we bow down. We bow down and worship money. We bow down and worship work. We bow down and worship entertainment. We bow down and worship everything and everyone except for Jesus Christ. And that is why we in America as Christians do not have any power. Because we really, when it gets down to it, do not trust in God. We really don't. You should not obey when you're asked to sin privately. You should not obey when you're asked to sin publicly. And thirdly, you should not obey when you ask to stop doing God's will. Look at this third example. Look at Acts chapter 5, and I hasten. Acts chapter 5, and I hasten. Jesus is, is in heaven. Jesus is in heaven. He's gone back to be with his fathers, interceding for the saints. But Peter, James, and John, the disciples, all except for Judas, but Judas was the one, the man of sin who betrayed Jesus Christ. All, all the disciples except for him are still preaching the word of God. They're still out there telling, they're still, just like Jesus had taught them, which we've been reading about for, for three years. Jesus had been teaching the disciples. They've been learning about the word of God from the word of God. And now they're actually proclaiming the word of God. They're teaching the word of God. But the same people who are in power when Jesus was crucified are still in power now. Now, if you just crucified Jesus Christ, and now there's some people going around saying you shouldn't have crucified Jesus Christ, you think you would want to be, make them be quiet? You think you'd want to tell those folks you've you got to stop talking? Well, the Bible says in Acts chapter 5 and verse 17, Acts chapter 5, verse 17, then the high priest rose up, and all they were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, were filled with indignation. <laughs> Why? Because they were teaching and preaching Jesus Christ. And they laid their hands on the apostles and put them in common prison. And the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, Go, stand and speak in the temple. Go to the people. All the words of, his, of this life. <laughs> Go out there and keep doing what you're doing, guys. I'm breaking you out of prison. Go out there and keep preaching about Jesus. That's what the angels were saying. In verse 21, they heard that, and they entered the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest came, and they that were with him called the council together, and all the children of the children of Israel sent them to the prison to have them brought. When the officers came and found them not in prison, they returned and told, saying, The, the prison truly found. We sh uh, shut with, the, the, with all the safety and the keepers standing without before the doors. But when, when we had opened, we found no man within. And the high priest and the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these things. They, they doubted of, of them whereunto this would, would grow. And came and won and told them, saying, Behold, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. And they went to, and then went the captain of the officers and brought them without violence, and for they feared the people, lest they should be a stone. Verse 27, when they had brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest asked them, look at verse 28, saying, did we not straightly command you that ye should not teach in his name? And behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Uh, you said that, right? Crucify him and his blood be upon us. That's what they said. Then Peter, look what Peter said, verse 29. Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than man. The world says, shut up. God says, speak up. Speak up. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with his right. 
hand to be prince and savior, for to give repentance to Israel for forgiveness of sins. We are his witnesses. We are his witnesses of these things. And so is also the Holy Ghost whom God has given to them that obey him. When do you disobey the authorities that God has placed in your life? First of all, you should not obey when you're asked to sin privately. Secondly, you should not obey when you're asked to publicly sin. And thirdly, you should not obey when you've asked to stop doing the very will of God. Now, dear friend, a lot of people use this as Christians and say, well, I'm not going to obey because I don't like what they say. No, dear friend, it's when they asked you to specifically disobey something that is specifically in the Bible. The Bible says we're to be witnesses. We're to declare the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're to tell others it is our mantra. It is our commandment. It is not a suggestion. It is why we are still in existence to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. So why? Because we love people. We care about people. We want people to be saved. That's why we're here. Yesterday, I was talking to this gentleman down the way uh, for probably longer than I should have been talking to the person. But I tried to talk to him. I tried to convince. And he had this old idea that preacher, that person, you're here to tell me because you, 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 you just want to get me afraid and, and tell me if I don't do this, I'm going to go to hell. I said, well, ultimately, yeah. But the reason why I'm here on a hot Saturday morning not watching TV and listening and drinking lemonade in my living room is because I love you. I love you. I'm, I love you so much that even though I don't know you, I don't want you to die and go to hell. And when any government, when any authority says I can't do that, then I have to obey that authority, though that be the authority of the United States of America. Because my allegiance is first to Jesus Christ and not Uncle Sam. Because one of these days, friend, I'm going to bow before Jesus Christ. And I'm going to give an account of my life. And one of the things I believe without a shadow of a doubt, every one of us in this room, every Christian is going to give an account, is what did you do with my name? Did you tell people about me? Did you go around on a Saturday morning... I lost my tracks already. I gave them all out. <laughs> did you go around on, the, on a Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon, or did you go have a little gospel track and give it to somebody? Did you tell people about me? Man, we'll tell everybody in the world about Florida football coming up, but will we tell everybody about Jesus who's coming back? Will we tell people about Jesus who's coming back? I think that's a little bit more important. Amen. Amen. You see, friends in life, we got to make a decision. How are we going to live? I close with this last passage of scripture. Look at, look at 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter in chapter 2. Peter was preaching to a people that was scattered, that were struggling, who was under some wicked government, more wicked than we ever had in the United States of America. Though one day we may be in that same boat. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 13. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 13. Look at this last passage, and then we will, we will be dismissed this morning. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 13. It says in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 13, it says, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be the king as supreme or governors, as to them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. That's the purpose of government right there. 
If you want to say, how do you define government? For the punishment of evildoers. That's what government should be doing. Punishing evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. Oh, that our government would get back to doing those two things. Punish those who do wicked and praise them that do well. For so is the will of God, that with well-doing and you may with put into silence the ignorance of foolish men as free and not using your liberty as a cloak of maliciousness, but as servants of God. It says in verse 17, listen to these words, honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle. Thank God for the good and gentle, but also to the forward. Thank God for the forward. For this is thank, thank worthy. If a man for conscience towards God endure grief, suffering wrongfully, what, for, for what glory is it? When ye be buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently. But if ye, when ye do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, this is acceptable to God. You're, going, you're, in, you're in a work environment which is harsh, which is difficult which they don't listen to God, they don't obey God, they're, hard, they're harder on you, they know you're a Christian and they treat you differently than everybody else because they're not Christians. How do you supposed to react? I just quit. Well, dear friend, you're going to be quitting a lot of jobs because that's most of the world out there. You're going to be quitting every five minutes just about. And I can only write so many recommendations. You better stay at the job. What do I do, preacher? It's hard out there. They don't like independent Baptist preachers or Christians or anything that has to do with Christianity. Well, what does it say? If, when you do well, suffer and take it patiently. For here and to where you called, this is the path of obedience. For here and are you called, and here's the pattern of obedience. What did Jesus do? Jesus, what did, how did he act? Look at verse 21. For here and do you recall because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his, his steps. Listen to verse 22. Who did no sin. <laughs> he did no sin. Neither was there guile found in his mouth. He didn't go around saying, that wicked old Pilate, those wicked old San, Sanhedrin, them old wicked, this wicked, that terrible. What type of example would he have been? Well, he wouldn't have been any type of example, would he? He didn't do that. For when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously, who his, who his own self bear on our sins and his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sin, should live in the righteous, whose stripes we are healed. For ye are sheep going astray, but now return to the shepherd and bishop of your souls. Oh, dear friend, we have a path of obedience. But greater than the path, we have a pattern. With those people that were beating Jesus and lying about Jesus and blaspheming Jesus, were they right? <laughs> they were all wrong. And we're going to be reading about it and studying about it in the next several months. How this was a kangaroo court. How it was all hypocrisy and wrong and evil and wicked. Yet Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who gave them authority, submitted himself to their authority. Why? So that you and you and you and me could be saved. Because he could have said, you're wicked, you're wrong. I know your very thoughts and intentions, and I'm not going to submit myself to it. And if he'd have done that, we could not have been saved. All of us would be on our way to hell right now. But even Jesus Christ submitted himself to death, even the death of the cross. 
so that we could have everlasting life. How about you in your life right now? Are you fighting against the authorities in your life that God himself has set up? Maybe you're fighting against it in your family. Maybe you're fighting against it at your work. Maybe you're fighting against it in your spirit. You're bitter. You're angry. You're frustrated. You're mad. Constantly fighting the authority that God has placed in your life. What type of life is that? What type of pattern are you showing to the rest of the world? Dear friend, submit yourself. Submit yourself. I'm not saying the authority that God placed in your life is always right, but sometimes very wrong. But what type of pattern, what type of behavior, what type of attitude are we showing to the world that is watching us? If we as Christians do not behave properly, if we don't obey the authority of the word of God, how can we tell the world to obey the word of God? Friends, it starts with us. It starts with us. Father, we thank you, God, for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for how wonderful your word is, how plain, how clear. Oh, God, I pray, Lord, today that you would help us in our own private lives to look, to look at ourselves, to be honest with ourselves in our own homes, in our own marriages. Lord, in our own jobs and situations, Lord, are we being obedient? Are we having an attitude of submission or is it an attitude of reaction and anger and frustration? Are we known as someone at work that is, who listens and obeys and does right? Or, or are we known as someone at work who's always fighting against the authorities that are there? Oh, God, give us the spirit like Jesus had the spirit of obedience and humility and love and sacrifice for the greater good, even though he was treated so horribly by those who he placed in authority, he obeyed the Father to the very end so that we could have everlasting life. Oh, Father, I pray you'd speak to our hearts, speak to our lives. As the music plays this morning, are you here today and knowing Christ is your Savior? 